0: Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger Podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall. And today I'm very excited to have Martin McDonald back on the show Uh martin has been on the show two times before episode 57 and episode 60 we talked about aggressive fat loss and then maintenance uh, and those podcasts went down incredibly well so uh, finally after almost three years of badgering yeah. no i haven't been on top <laughs> of him that bad don't but mean too bad. <laughs> martin is back on the show and i know you guys are going to be as excited as i am to have him back on uh, so martin what what's been going on i know previously mnu was kind of more so in its early stages, and now it's mm. well. I'm sure the majority of the listeners, if they don't know you or your name, they know MNU.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I couldn't believe it when you told me it was three years ago. Uh, it it time's flown. I, I honestly thought it if you had said maybe eighteen months ago, but twice that. Um. So yeah, MNU's obviously in full full swing now, and um, the the kind of current, I suppose, off the back of you know. Nutrition uni becoming this this thing that I never thought would become such a monster, um, kind of all over the world. I, I can't I lose count now, but it's kind of sixty five plus countries where we've got students in and, and kind of getting these insurance policies for people to practice all around the world. Now it's quite exciting when that happens, but um finally it's it's running smoothly, and we're we're creating actually a layperson's course so people going oh you know i don't want to commit to the full year of study and i don't necessarily it, it, it blows my mind the commitment some people have to nutrition i suppose it's 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 probably a lot of people who listen to your podcast i mean we have had people sign up um who are, who are like avid revive stronger fans oh awesome. and, and and they don't They have no interest you know they 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 do the course they do the final exams and everything they become uh, you know a certifiable nutritionist and they're like absolute bosses and that's why they geek out on podcasts like yours Mm. and and kind of all all of that kind of content and then they're like yeah yeah i just did it for fun and i'm like (laughs) yeah what it's it's not it's not an easy course it's like seriously time consuming um and hard and requires masses of revision and um, but anyway, so we, we had so many people like that, but then other people who don't want to drop, you know, that amount of money on a course and, and necessarily have a stringent course timetable. And so we, we've set to writing this uh, a foundation course called MN School of Nutrition. And it's, um I've been talking about it on my Instagram stories recently, but the spec is like 200 lectures, but they're, they're a lot, lot shorter and, you know, self-study. And um, yeah, really just for people to kind of become their own nutritionist, learn lots of the fundamentals, a bit more of a structured way of learning rather than, you know, yeah, picking topics from around the internet, actually building from the bottom up, which is what I like to do with people. So that realistically, other than my, my tour, which sadly you know, I've had to sort of cancel mm. this year, um, but that's a big thing for me at the minute is the public speaking and um, I just love going around and meeting people and, and doing this. Bit in person with, with audiences and and that kind of stuff. But yeah, other than that, being a dad, um, (laughs) that's about it. Yeah. And, and trying to, trying to get back into my training a bit.
0: Yeah. Now it sounds like, I guess you've supplied it after the demand was there for it. And I, it doesn't surprise me that there is that demand. And Mm. uh, from everything I've seen what you guys put out and produce, I'm not surprised there's people that listen to this, who just wanted to geek out and learn more and they just go through it and then seemingly don't use it any, any kind of practical way necessarily mm. like to coach or do other things they just want that knowledge for themselves and uh, yeah I mean I've seen you touring and drinking and having fun yeah. <laughs> all of yeah. that I saw over on the stories and I mean yeah if people haven't got that you're a great presenter from listening to this sort of podcast So mm. I, I imagine it's even better in person
1: yeah that I mean I, I enjoy it a lot more I think you take a lot more away from things when you're there and person. like you've come to some of our, um, kind of nutrition yeah. live events and stuff. It's just nice, isn't it? To be in the room with people and like have lunch with people and we, I make a big deal of my events in terms of, um, you know, like you just said there, the drinking side, not trying to put too much light on that side of things, but and you've given me in a bit of an idea actually in terms of maybe I should, maybe I'll go on to do a podcast episode with someone on, they kind of having a life as well as yeah you know, a bit like the sort of minimum effective dose type scenario of living whilst having this interest in, in your training. And I had a, I had a question on my story actually, Martin, what do you think about people smoking whilst training? And I was like, what a question. <laughs> literally you've gone like this end to this end of the kind yeah. of spectrums. Um, I think I made some snide remark about it. Um, but, yeah, it, it, we do put a, a kind of lot of effort into the really good lunches and, and breaks and refreshments, and just making it a, a bit more of an event rather than yeah. a lecture. Come and sit in a lecture, and especially because they are, you know, full day things. It's um, and just for me, it, it does turn into a bit of a com- you know comedy show, <laughs> um, because I I enjoy making people laugh and um, where possible. So yeah, it goes down well. So hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully, the people listening to this will come and see me in 2021.
0: I I completely agree with any seminars I've been to, and that's why we still run. Like we bring over Mike Israel and things because yes. there's just nothing like being there in person and being surrounded by a group of people that are all kind of in after the same sort of thing, and you oftentimes. Know, we're kind of a bit of a unique niche in some ways so yeah. you don't just meet someone down the road who kind of gets nutrition like maybe you do and you are kind of geeking out on all of this stuff so yeah those those day events are awesome i'm i'm so glad you are actually still running them and hopefully it won't be too long until they can actually start happening again
1: yeah yeah I hope so <laughs> so
0: last time you were on uh, you touched on a subject that is close to a lot of people's hearts especially listening to this kind of physique competitors Uh, they're always about kind of losing fat gaining muscle and i think you have maybe some controversial thoughts or at least um, to some people they're certainly controversial Mm -hmm. and that was to do with kind of rapid fat loss and kind of the quote i think from last time was like basically Diet as fast as you can, and you won't lose muscle. It was along those sort of lines. It wasn't and exactly that, but yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll
1: go with that for shock value.
0: <laughs> I maybe that was my clickbait of what I've saved in my mind. So I think it was something <laughs> like eat
1: as few calories as you realistically can. Eat, eat, yeah, eat as few calories as you realistically can for the duration that will get you to your goal. And muscle loss is a bit of a boogeyman. That was the kind of. Well, that's well my less
0: sexy <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: it's less clickbait isn't it
0: <laughs> so yeah in in that on that regard i guess uh it'll be great to just have a recap of has anything changed has a uh, new research come out to say that you're an idiot or to confirm that you've actually been kind of touting something that is actually very very efficacious for us and then we can get into some details of who it might be for and those sort of questions uh, to make it a bit more nuanced
1: mm yeah so i think it's it's funny it, you are right it's very to some people controversial whereas um and if if it's all right for me to jump ahead a little bit to what you said about who it's for and who yeah. it's not it that is the key thing to understand here is um I'm not saying everyone should do that. And there are specific scenarios. And and, and we went into kind of the, the upper level of nuance in, in the last podcast. And I, I don't feel like, you know, the backlash was as much as it was actually, you know, it was very positive, actually. It was really, really nice. Um, and so I think we gave enough context. But there's always more context to be given. And, you know, with your specific audience and talking to someone specifically like you, what, you, you know, as, as far as I can tell, you stay, you know, relatively lean year round. And um, you know, maybe you don't feel like that, but that's yeah. your that's your issue. <laughs> <laughs> let's not um, get into that. <laughs> let's, let's not get into the psychology. Um, but so therefore, you know, competition prep, and, and we discussed that last time, didn't we? That, you know, I, I wrote this article with, with these three different curves and people sticking adamantly to a specific weight loss per week or calorie deficit you know assumed calorie deficit or estimated calorie deficit per week um versus what i would say is the the optimal the scientific the calculated this this rate of kind of this decaying rate of fat loss that is necessary the closer you get to competition if you're wanting to maintain all muscle mass and realistically i think in the the um, kind of calculations I did, it, you know, you ended up on like a 286 calorie deficit in the, in the weeks before show. So ergo, no one would call that rapid, yeah. but it's maximal. If that's the maximal amount of deficit to ensure that 100% of your energy deficit would be, would be coming from, from fat. And that was a specific person. I'm not saying that's a global thing, but that calculation gives you some idea um And it was starting maybe closer to the thousand calorie deficit mark. Um, so, yeah, going back to what you said in, in terms of, uh, or there being some controversy or have things changed, or you know, it, from my perspective, it wasn't a theory. This isn't something that I'm. There are certain theoretical elements of it, and maybe when I talk about optimal, that's when I'm talking about the theoretical side of things. Mm. But we are we are abundantly aware. Uh, in in the fat loss you know people classified by their bmi as overweight and obese and above this rapid fat loss stuff that i talk about is the most efficacious way of someone to lose weight lose body fat almost regardless of outcome um and so as the fitness industry and this you know to recap on what i said in that last time was as a fitness industry we've kind of shied away from stuff because of bad people the baddies in the industry the this kind of shake diet supplement pushing non coaching non qualified areas of our industry so you know when someone is literally going Oh, I need to make more money. You know, we've all had it. I'm sure 90% of your listeners have at one time or another seen or had that message. Hi there. um, I'm just wondering if you're interested in earning another 500 pounds a month without doing anything um, Mm -hmm. from home, just, and it's some MLM scheme. Yeah. And and then some people do that for whatever reason, and then they're putting their bio nutrition consultant. You know, yesterday they weren't, but today they're a nutrition (laughs) consultant. And um, they're, they're selling supplements and telling people how how these things work to cleanse their cells, etc. And you know, you just have three of these shakes a day and you'll lose weight. And the, the weight loss isn't anything to do with this fancy calorie deficit thing. It's something very scientific called cleansing your fat cells and detoxing your body. So that's why we hate it as the uh, as the fitness industry, in my opinion, because we have these ideas of things. We also have Maybe some unethical coaches who mm-hmm. pretty much blanket just give you this template that is a thousand calories, whether you're a marathon runner female. And, you know, these people exist. I could name and shame them here, but I won't out of respect for you. I um, don't want you getting the jip, but... They, you know, it's got even got Steve's name on it when it's for, you know, Hannah, the marathon runner, or the pregnant mum, or you know, or the sorry, breastfeeding mum. I mean, pre- she might as well be pregnant. These people have no morals. <laughs> um, a thousand calorie diet for a pregnant <laughs> lady. So this is why we hate it. But when, and and unfortunately, the and I'm gonna, I actually coined this term in my head before I came on today because I kept using the term. um, I feel Like my mic's getting a bit droopy. I'm a bit limp here. <laughs> doesn't happen. This he was doesn't attracted happen. attracted to the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. It's not. It's going towards you. Good. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, so we have this. We have this issue of um, the research area, the fitness industry. And the research area. And and I kept in my mind using like these evidence-based people who don't know what they're talking about. And unfortunately, they're not really evidence-based. They're just nice guys and girls. And they're, they're so I would call them well-meaning idiots. And I have used that term before in other elements. But these are the people who typically we would go to conferences, they're learning from evidence-based people, but they just got this disconnect between what truly evidence-based practice is and not making statements without anything to back it up. So, you know oh, you know, stop losing weight quickly. If you lose the weight quickly, you'll put it back all back on and more, or faster, mm. or you'll definitely put it back on, or it's not sustainable, it's not the way to do it. You should do it, X, Y, Z. And there's not a hint of a reference in sight for their last 500 Instagram posts. <laughs> but you, if, if you go to the literature of non-bodybuilders, and, and this is why some of this literature would be amazing, and, and I only actually recently, probably since we spoke, have thought a really long-term goal for me because I'm not very money or business or, or, no, I love business, but I'm not profit orientated. Right. But a, re- a real reason for me to give myself a kick up the bum um, to actually you know, push hard on the business is to make profit to then, you know, we've got loads of charitable stuff that we like doing, it's amazing. Um, but to, you know, to, to set goals is always good, and we know this. Um, but so my goal is kind of like, you know what, I, maybe I will fund a study. I've never thought that would be something that I would be yeah. able to do. Um, but fund some decent research. And research, as you know, is so expensive, tens mm. and hundreds of thousands of pounds. So... Um, this research is on these obese individuals using crappy diets, using crappy macro splits. You know, I don't like macro splits, mm-hmm. but crappy protein intakes is what I'm talking about. Um, using blanket low calorie amounts rather than maybe individualizing the individual. You know, it's two meal replacements per day. Um, that's, you know, that was one of the studies I think we might have talked about last time. Um, they're crappy, but. When we compare those to a 500 calorie deficit type diet to a conventional weight loss protocol, all the stuff we discussed last time about better outcomes, statistically significantly, both in the acute and long term, you know, follow up. You know, if anyone's new to, you know, haven't listened to those last two episodes and you've jumped in here, you're going, what? Like Steve, shut him down. Stop <laughs> talking. This is this is mad. Um, but this is, this is 2000, you know, 2000 era obesity research Mm -hmm. and it's why, you know, I can remember being a young nutritionist and hearing about, um, the fact that my clients could previously have gone to the doctor and got prescribed on the NHS, a, you know, 300 calorie shake diet, um, Cambridge diet. Mm -hmm. And prescribed, given. And I was like, I was, I was enraged. This is ridiculous. This is madness. What's wrong with them? The problem is, is it's just misguidedness mm-hmm. in that there is evidence that both very low energy diets, very low calorie diets and total food replacement. So we're talking meal replacement type shakes, these things have unique benefits for weight loss and weight loss maintenance and adherence and hunger, et cetera, that we're not really taught about in the, the industry. And, you know, I, I hadn't really heard people talking about this. And then, you know, in 2015, I, I think I said this last time, I just, I had to, evi- I started educating large groups of evidence-based nutritionists, personal trainers, dietitians, doctors, and I wanted to wow them and so I was like, what are they doing wrong? And what they're doing wrong is just being too moderate in everything because we know people okay. under-report, for instance. There's another mm-hmm. area that this is potentially helpful for. If you prescribe someone a 300 or 500 or 700-calorie deficit, they might still be in a surplus or at maintenance or in a 50 to 100-calorie deficit because of under-reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's kind of my first point is this isn't this isn't a theory. This is this is the best available evidence that we have. Um, and there's nuances. And and you know I'm still super open to kind of criticism or critiques or just more research teaching me stuff. Like I've got no dog in this game. I don't have. I should have, <laughs> but I don't have a a rapid fat loss protocol that you can go and do and and make me famous or make me money. Um, I don't have a special shake program. I don't even have a flipping downloadable, although I am going to create one. Um, Just something so you can calculate this because I get asked these questions so much just so that someone can hop over and just download my Excel spreadsheet that, that has all of the stuff I talked about on the podcast with you three years ago and stuff that we might talk about today, but just so people can do these calculations Mm -hmm. um, and understand how it might be implemented because Shooting on one of your questions, who is this for? It it sort of can be for anyone if done correctly. So that means using relative calorie deficits relative to different elements of of who they are that mm-hmm. we that we can get get into if you want to, um, rather than just everyone should eat an 800 calorie diet um for as long as they can until they get to their body fat goal and stop. Um, so anyone can use it if done right yeah
0: hey pascal here i just wanted to take the moment to talk about our membership site inside you'll find a thriving forum an extensive exercise library courses presentations and research reviews all i need you to do is hit the link in the description below i guess uh, a lead on question would be i think in people's minds when they think rapid fat loss i think they think of like i don't know one to two pounds or maybe two pounds plus lost a week Mm -hmm. but what kind of you're suggesting is rapid fat loss is just losing at your relative maximum to what you can achieve Mm -hmm. and what's appropriate for you so i guess that would be a place to start like if someone for male and female kind of on the leaner and less lean side or what's i guess the calculation would then be applied so that you can take that into consideration
1: yeah so um to, to just expand on that in terms of, because that's quite a cool way to showing two sides of this coin of there's the maximum rate that realistically you can lose body fat per week um, until you start dipping into lean body mass stores, which we are aware are not just myofibrillar proteins. If you're burning muscle glycogen, you're, that's your lean body mass. You know, if we're using DEXA scans, and this is one of the the big issues with DEXA scans, is you put two groups on on two different um, macronutrient intakes, and one of those is lower carbohydrate. and And we've seen people trying to cheat the system with their keto diets. Um, all these people sponsored by exogenous keto uh, ketone supplements trying to make money and and mislead people and steal people's money, w- using this to their advantage. Like put people on a keto and then carb them up in the last week. And, oh, look, they've gained muscle. It's like mm. they haven't gained muscle. They've replenished glycogen. Um, so the body mass loss, so trying to max the maximal rate of that. But on the flip side, there's aggressive fat loss and there's aggressive deficits. So I suppose that's how I would change the two. Okay. An aggressive deficit is, as it sounds, you know, maybe the amount above, um, or, or, or just a deficit, and it getting larger and larger. So where does aggressive start? I can't really tell you. Um, there's, no, there's no clear definition, even, in, you know, even if you go low-carb. What's low-carb? We have some limits of, okay, ketogenic diet and low-carbohydrate and, and where they sit, but aggressive diets, they don't exist. Now, a very low-calorie diet um, in the research, you're talking, for instance, 800 calories or less per day. And that's, you know, we're not even talking calories per pound, calories per kilogram, like the research isn't there yet because no one thinks like fitness professionals and no one does research in bodybuilder. Not many people, as you well know, you probably, your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, and it annoys me because I don't necessarily, personally, I don't necessarily want to do research in fitness types. but I want to apply what fitness types, bodybuilders, fitness enthusiasts know to the general population. So instead of calling one point two grams per kilogram protein high, because that's what that's high protein in the, in the general population research, because it's one hundred and fifty percent of you know the recommended amount, and one hundred fifty percent that's loads. But when we're talking, no, like two grams per kilogram is about normal or 1.6, 1.8 is normal. And until you get to like three grams per kilogram, no one bats an eyelid. So, you know, applying some of that to these guys. So eight hundred aggressive deficits and then kind of maximal fat loss. So one thing that I'm going to put in this, this spreadsheet I'm creating is this difference between, and, and if you remember last time I spoke about the fact that for me, if I diet on, say, 1,200, 1,400 calories, which is a, a very low-calorie diet for a, a male, I'm not very active, arguably, but I'm heavy-ish, you know, compared to a 60-kilo female. I'm hungry, and I don't don't enjoy it. Whereas on 1,000-ish, you know, 800 to 1,000, as I spoke about before, I have much better adherence, much lower hunger. And this isn't an n equals one. This is the data that we see in the research with randomised control trials. Um, that hunger seems to be less, adherence seems to be better, and you know all, all this research to to just put this in people's mind. If if we're talking about adherence to something, and and I suppose one part of your demographic, Steve, that I'm talking to is like coaches, mm-hmm. nutritionists, dietitians, doctors. Um, personal trainers with nutrition qualifications who are leading people through weight loss phases. It's. I'm talking to you to help your clients of the large initial weight loss is related to better adherence long term. It's related to better weight loss maintenance etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is why I have a, a passion for bringing this thinking about because By me telling people, you will then be able to help your clients better. And the world is essentially a better place when people aren't, you know, jumping, you know, we're failing them as practitioners, and they're having to jump to someone alternative, selling some wacky thing that's going to steal their money and maybe even harm them. So, yeah, what's aggressive and who for? So, I will say this now, males do seem to fare better than females across the board so lean males versus lean females um higher bmi category males high bmi um pre you know premenopausal women and men of a, a similar age and then you've got the postmenopausal females again all of these different groups can do it mm-hmm. but there are special considerations uh, more often than not for the females um, and we, we could go into some of those uh, if you want to. So for me, the, the way to start on this side of things, your maximal fat loss, and it's annoying because you have to try and attempt to measure body fat percentage, is this idea of, um, and this I think I mentioned the Alpert study or maybe last time, that was originally kind of 13. Through all these fancy calculations, you come to this equation. Your body fat percentage, so let's say you're 26% body fat, um, you know, like an average female, for instance. What's average? I'm um, someone's probably gonna get upset about me for saying that, but whatever. Um, uh, but I think the reason I say that out loud is almost like because some people hear 26% and, and think high, yeah, um, and it's like not high at all. So 13%. And you divide your body fat percentage by 13, sorry, 26%, divide it by 13. I've used 26 because it's easy for me in the maths. Um, and the answer is two. So yeah. we're looking at a maximal rate of weight loss per week of 2% of your body weight. So if you're 60 kilos, we're looking at 1.2 kilograms, which um, based on what you said earlier about this kind of two pounds, um, is higher than that kind of rate of weight loss. So, uh, what is it? It's like 2.6 and a bit-ish pounds. So that's that kind of realm. And that is what I would deem to be, okay, we're maximally doing it. And the deficit to achieve that kind of weight loss is going to be a decent um, kind of level. Mm -hmm. So, um, what did I say? 1.2 kilos. So $7,700 for five. 1, one eight thousand. So it's yeah, it's it's a you know one thousand two hundred-ish calorie deficit, um slightly less actually, per day. And so on that front, then you get someone who's sixty kilos. Well, what what's their BMR going to be? Um, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred and something. And then how active are they? You start to go, geez that's ridiculous. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the point where you stop and go, yeah, that's the point. I'm not telling you to eat a hundred calories a day. I'm talking about for someone who's coming to you as a personal trainer and they're 90 kilos, for instance, and they can achieve this. And you're going, no, slow and steady wins the race. Um, 500 calorie deficit. You're doing the wrong thing. Um, And people are scared. If you give someone a 950 calorie diet, people freak. They see that number on paper. As soon as it goes to three digits, like I had a a 49 kilo weightlifter inactive, making weight for competition. She regularly was under a thousand calories, but people just see the number and like, what the hell? I'm like, she's 49 kilos. She's like, like a child. Um, at the same time, you can, these studies on these individuals that are tracking health markers, they are tracking bone mineral density, they are tracking lean body mass, they're tracking fat mass, they're tracking all of these different areas. You've got someone who's 120 kilos on a 450 calorie diet for three months. And people are like, you've got two elements of this. One, wake up. That's been done in medical settings. And yeah, sometimes doctors and dietitians can be muppets. But this is being done by researchers time and time and time again over decades. It's being done because it can be done. Um, So wake up to that fact and then start understanding that there might be something to this. And my issue is with it, with all of these studies is they use one gram per kilogram protein and they don't resistance train. So when you get, and and, um, sorry, I I know I'm going on. I talked, don't I? is it okay? Can I carry on? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'll never stop
0: you. You can talk the whole time. i <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> Don't say that. Uh,
1: um, so since, since we did um, our last episode, a really cool study came out on my birthday last year. And it, it literally did this rapid fat loss protocol. And um, in this study, they looked at... Um, they they did a really good measurement of, of bone mineral density and they used DEXA for, for lean body mass and fat mass and these kind of things. And I, I had so many people send me this and go, oh, you're going to, you know, your head's going to get even bigger or whatever um, when the study came out because it was looking, and this was specifically in postmenopausal women. So in this instance, as I said earlier, you've got this caveat of, okay, bone mineral density, is of particular interest and we should try and be somewhat um, protective of it and, and lean body mass as well. And um, so in this study, they actually found somewhat unfavorable uh, results at 12 months. And and this, this was, it was super low calorie. I think it was, say, three to four months, but it was like a, a 75% calorie deficit. Wow um yeah good (laughs) i'm glad that's your response because that was my response i was like geez i think so you know for people who don't like percentages if if your if your maintenance is two thousand calories you're eating 500 calories a day for four months um and these i'm fairly sure these were kind of like 30 plus bmi individuals 30 to 40 ish It, it might be slightly lower um and the other group, it was like uh, 30-ish percent, sorry, I don't know off the top of my head, uh, around there for, for 12 months. And then this group did this 75% for three or four months and then just did uh, you know a moderate deficit to, to the 12 months. So it was nice that they kind of matched the outcomes, uh, the, the time scales, rather than just taking that point there. And the difference in muscle mass loss which some people were like, look, you'll lose muscle. And this is, this is something I would love your listeners to take home because I'm still seeing so many people talk about if you lose muscle, your metabolism's going to slow down. And I called a registered dietitian out on this just yesterday. And, um, and, I, and I've been sent posts by, by decent you know, like educators, decent educators, ones that I would be like, they're decent, not just like educator, in the industry still going, no, you should diet slowly. Everyone should diet slowly because if you lose lean body mass, your metabolism will slow down and then you're screwed and you regain the weight. Um, and the, the, the key physiology understanding that you need to have here is weight loss slows metabolism by two mechanisms one you weigh less so you burn less calories um because your basal metabolic rate is pretty much just a factor of what you weigh there are mm. small intricacies in terms of your body composition um and then obviously the metabolic adaptation which relates to more long term weight loss and how far you may be moved from this this set point or settling point that people like to discuss but you lose a pound a pound a kilo whatever a unit of fat and the same unit of muscle and the difference in your metabolism is we're talking a handful three four five six you know the order of not you lose 10 kilos of muscle you know t- two scenarios you lose 10 kilos of muscle like imagine that oh imagine steve <laughs> I would give up. Like, <laughs> life's cold, over <laughs> cold sweat yeah cold sweat um Versus 10 kilos of fat, two different people. Look at the outcome in the physique and the type of ridiculous protocol you would have to achieve that. And yet the difference in metabolism based on that is 50, for instance. Um, And we know this from looking at the energy requirements of organs and and tissues in the body. So people need to stop saying that. That's not a thing. Um, We know a little caveat on that even if you retain all lean body mass and you lose a lot of weight, uh, Johnson, Johnson or Johnston et al, I think it's 2002 maybe, but it's the extreme weight loss study where they retained uh, muscle mass and lean body mass and still they had this huge metabolic adaptation. But It's irrelevant. If you lose a little bit of muscle, your, your metabolism isn't tanking. And, in, and in, even in these studies where they don't resistance train and they don't eat enough protein, In over twelve months, three to four months of a seventy five percent calorie deficit, they only the the they only lost an extra one point two kilograms of muscle. And the difference between the two groups was like two kilograms and three point two kilograms. So again, but the difference in weight loss was enormous and the um there's so many cool, intricate parts of this study. Um, because the, when you then go, okay, what if, and I, asked, I mentioned this on the podcast last time with you, is that people need to remember we need to account for either matching time or matching weight loss because we need to be able to have the two different time points. Because if you go, you know, in in the leaner individuals, that, uh, is it the Garth study or Miro study? Can't remember off the top of my head. but They go, oh, don't diet faster because um, your testosterone levels are slightly lower after this amount of time. But they lost double the amount of body fat. That's like getting on stage next to a guy who's lost twice as much body fat as you shredded. Maybe he's got like half a kilo less muscle or something, or he's just got, you know, finding a bit harder to get an erection or something or whatever, uh, he, he's, you know, his testosterone is slightly lower. Is it even clinically significant? It's just statistically, measurably significantly lower. But you're there with twice the body fat. And it's like, you know, people going, oh, this is what you should do it, bro. And it's like, no, he's lost twice as much body fat. If you dieted, therefore, for double the amount of time, then we could compare because yeah. he's lost way more body fat. So, anyway, in this study, what they did was is they went, oh, well, let's actually correct for this complete difference in body mass and and fat loss and this is the kicker is there was no difference in the amount of muscle mass loss so even on a one gram per kilogram body weight protein intake with no resistance training no formal resistance training they're not losing more muscle per unit of time um and just remember this is a stupid protocol i mean it, it's brilliant, but it 's stupid. Just give them some flipping protein <laughs> um the the other cause cool, was it this study no, i'm getting mixed up now this that, that was another study where they actually gave a half decent amount of vitamin D and some calcium, and they might have even given them no they didn't still one gram per kilogram protein um but in that the bone mineral density in that study was a bit better than this one I'm talking about here um but they used a mixture of males and females, which again, this is why I'm saying. Post, post-menopausal females, just be aware of this. Um, so anyway, they lost loads more body fat. They didn't lose any extra muscle per unit of body weight. And even if they did, it was 1.2 kilograms of muscle in a year. And therefore, let's put some resistance training in. Probably they'll gain some muscle because they're previously untrained. Um, give them adequate protein for a start. Give them a bit of creatine. Wow, let's go crazy. <laughs> um, so, this scenario of, and this is another one of those kickers or unbelievable findings is the dropout rate in the the five you know the five hundred calorie day the seventy five percent deficit for three or four months was, I think, three times less than the moderate one. So again, you've got to take a step back. And what's everyone in the industry banging on about? Adherence, mm-hmm. dropout, quitting, compliance. Now, I've got some ideas around the idea of the new ideas. You know, Since we wrote m I probably need to rewrite some lectures and stuff. But people have, been hold, people have been quoting me on this thing of like, if you're never on plan, you can never be off plan and kind of various connotations around that. But if you've got people three times more people not quitting, and and this is where we come back to certain ideas. We don't really know why that wasn't a controlled for variable, but we then understand like, because people go, and this is another thing that I see these well-meaning idiots, influencers, personal trainers, nutritionists, they mean well, but they go, don't cut your calories too low. You'll give up. You'll quit. Yeah. Uh, reference you fancy giving me a reference but oh, everyone knows everyone knows oh, why do i need to provide a reference because otherwise it's just your opinion and it's a load of crap because and i actually saw you i really like this i'll give you some praise here you said about um it, it you don't have to reference everything you say um do you remember writing this yeah. it's quite recent wasn't it yeah it was um, awesome. look, at, look at this it's this good <laughs> T- taking stuff and that but it it's a great it is a great analogy to use here you don't have to have a reference to back up what you're saying you can talk about your own experience fantastic what, but you have to be open to one be challenged and two you can't say it as fact especially when the preponderance of data says you're completely yeah. wrong you need to go i'm missing something here i'm an idiot but people are too arrogant to do that you know, it's like faster cardio. Well, I found when I did it, right. Okay. But that's completely irrelevant because there's not, it's not even like the data is equivocal. That, that's a, that's a good scenario. When the data is equivocal, mm, not really sure, but when there's literally nothing to back you up and there's all this stuff to go, actually we've really quite specifically tested this based on some laws of thermodynamics. Nah, it's not happening. Um, so I really, I really like the kind of way you, you frame that so people can't be going don't drop your calories too low because you'll quit because that's not what's yeah. happening in the real world these aren't lab rats, these are real people in the real world who are getting help from dietitians etc Um that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause for breath. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you did cover a,
0: a heck of a lot there. Hi guys, Steve here. Just wanted to take a moment of your time to remind you of our online coaching service. At Revive Stronger, we pride ourselves on providing personalised service that will take your physique and knowledge to the next level. If you're interested, check the description there. And I had a few thoughts, but one of them that immediately came to my mind um, that I think might be helpful for the listeners to clarify was your calculation um, based off that study, was the 13, uh, divide your body fat by 13 by 13. Uh, Is that the same for men and women? uh, Or does it depend? Because, well, it tends to be that um, well, women are higher, just generally a higher body fat. So that would mean they could always theoretically lose faster.
1: Is that still correct? Yeah. So thanks for bringing me back to that. Amazing. So I want to clarify on that front because this, this, um, this calculator i've started writing it it's just it gets you know the more you start putting stuff in and then you're trying to explain to people and the more you need to add in more boxes for them to fill stuff in so because i want them to be able to use this calculator um to really just kind of test what i'm doing and put their their situation and and one of the reasons I, i felt like it got more complex was thinking about you and your your um you know lots of people who are kind of fairly hardcore I suppose follow you, and i want I want to bring it to them just for the sake of you know when you start your comp prep photo shoot prep, whatever it may be, I just think people could make their lives a whole lot easier by dieting faster initially, and then yeah. also, I've kind of said this before, and I know you you sort of said to me, "Oh, will you ever compete again and no. <laughs> But shame. You know, <laughs> but it does annoy me because I would do things so differently now, um and more individualised to me and and listening to myself instead of, you know, joker prep coaches, etc. Um and learning from my mistakes and being reflective mm. rather than just ad you know, just completely ridiculous. Um haphazard. So I, I started putting in this this thing of, of refeeds within it and understanding, because for me right now, I'm not particularly lean right now at all. So I diet faster. But when I get leaner, I still have this, I've, I've got this newfound knowledge of myself that um, time-restricted protocols seem to work a little bit better for me in terms of adherence and, and managing my hunger and actually going lower calorie. And this is what that this research shows us time and time again uh, i'm trying to think of a reference off the top of my head maybe cutino would be one of them i think um that one's quite a good one because i think that's comparing like 2.2 pounds versus 4.4 pounds um over quite a long period maybe maybe six six months study but either way they found in the faster rates of weight loss and there's another study uh anyway I'm not going to go into it but we see lower hunger in these, these it's not just adherence it's not just oh they're managing to starve well um, that, that could be someone's hypothesis because they're getting results they don't mind that they hate their life and they've got no sex drive and um, they're hungry all the time but that's not actually what's being observed ratings of perceived hunger are lower in the lower calorie groups which blows my mind every time um And I do have some thoughts on why that might be. But for me personally, going to that 1,000 calorie level, I'm less hungry. I'm less focused on food. I remember being a bodybuilder and it sucked. And I thought about my next meal as soon as I finished that meal. I remember chasing the last grain of rice around my Tupperware. But I'm, I'm not like that these days and I'm not as lean these days, but I've, I've been in okay shape since then. Not not stage lean, but I've been in, in good shape, much, much leaner than I would have been before with relatively little efforts um, and, and pains of hunger. So um, relating it more to this, I was actually just talking to Sarah when I was writing this calculator. And if anyone wants this, I haven't written it yet, but I probably will get it done. Do you know when this podcast is going out? Will it, will it be in the next? Probably in week? the next four weeks. Okay, cool. So I probably will have it done by then. So I'll, I'll do like martin-mcdonald.com forward slash rapid fat loss, we'll call it. Rapid weight loss. That's probably better, isn't it? Rapid weight loss. Um, and uh, so you can get this calculator. And there is no side thinking about this. Steve specifically to you was like I would probably now diet on a, on what would be lower calories than when I said about this divide by 13 number that I would need to eat like a let's say a 1200 calorie deficit but that would only put me at 1400 calories for instance and then I go I'm not going to enjoy that, I'm not going to adhere I'm going to go down to my 900 or 1000 calories the problem is then is I'm dicing with lean body mass loss Mm -hmm. so then i started thinking well i'm going to chuck in a few clever equations here and work out when i would need to do strategic refeeds or even aggressive refeeds like an aggressive three-day refeed where we could mess with some of the magics of leptin and testosterone and and thyroid output or just simply a refeed day around you you know on day eight for instance Mm -hmm. and this this Excel spreadsheet which it it sounds more complicated than it is it's relatively easy to just type these numbers in and and, and use the calculations because for me I think I would probably do that it's easier for me to just focus on that hardcore boom it's motivating stepping on the scales every single morning and seeing weight loss and then knowing and and some people would would liken this to elements of cheats and and there's a big discussion around that which this isn't that and if you think it is you're an idiot. But it's a a great way for people's mind to go to. But don't start thinking I'm wrong because, oh, you're just promoting that because it's not the case. I've thought about this very hard. I've spoken to some of the leading eating disorder researchers and practitioners and nice guidelines, people on this stuff. And there's a lot of difference in the intention in what you do. There's, cheats are ridiculous. It's a, it's a terrible word for people to be using, but but using things as strategic refeeds, is calculated. The size of the deficit, I will say this now, the research does not support any contention um, that, that this exact size of deficit relates to um, the likelihood of becoming disordered with your eating. Now, the further away you, you get from set points, the more obsessed you're going to get with food, the the more that you know, leptin is going to go down and hunger is going to become ravenous, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you'll get more mood disturbance, but it's not the size of deficits. That's the distance from, from time point zero uh, or, or weight, body weight point zero. So going back to that thing of 13 and males and females, 13 has kind of been debunked and so that's kind of bad of me that I haven't clarified that sooner. But we did. People can go back to your earlier podcast because I'm fairly sure I said this. Yeah. I I say, I sit on the fence about around 15. I think if you're weight training, high protein, and um, probably using caffeine um, as a stimulant, as and as and maybe as a um, way to initiate lipolysis, the, the breakdown of fat, you can use 15 to buy divide your body fat by 15 so if you're 15 percent body fat male use 15 divided by 15 1 body weight use that if you want to be super conservative and therefore we're talking fitness you know enthusiasts photo shoot comp prep type people use 20 um and so the the output paper was updated with some changes in the, the mathematics of it to give 20 and i think that's too conservative but between fifteen and twenty, you're looking good. Now, you you hit the nail on the head of males and females tend to have different body fat levels. There's no reason to believe like we know that there are differences in substrate ox- oxidization in a female's monthly cycle, but in general, females are, seem to be better able to oxidize fatty acids than males. But realistically, for what we're looking at here, which is you know delta energy flux, like how much of a deficit you're in. It's just just that women will end up higher than men in general. If you get a lean female and a not lean male, like loads of the fitness girls are loads leaner than I am via a DEXA scan. Um, And therefore, it works for them. So that's why we talk, it's not relative to their gender, it's relative to their body fat percentage. With that on its head, forget body fat percentage. Relative to gender, I don't want to be reproductive. If a female comes to you for fat loss reasons or is you know really wanting to have kids, this is something I don't think is talked about enough in the physique industry prep is just remembering that you are dicing with someone's like lots of people want to step on stage, lots of people have life goals but when you when you also put on the table, are you happy to Take the risk that you might lose your menstrual cycle and not get it back by going to that level of leanness. It just needs to be a discussion. It's not. It's not highly likely. You. You. Sh- everyone should have in- informed discussions on that front. Um, so th- this is the other thing: is if you're working with a female and, and maybe she's. You know, only got a BMI of twenty-seven, which you know would be in one of these categories where people are using rapid fat loss protocols. But she's doing it because she thinks, you know, it, it'll, it, she's been told losing weight will improve her the outcome for her IVF treatments, or it will, it, you know, it it will improve her fertility to lose some weight, um, not you know just naturally. But then I actually I, I did do a post on this recently. Then if her she 's just trying to get healthier before conceiving, and then she starts to get menstrual cycle you know, dysregulation or but she 's so focused on the weight loss she just kind of forgets why she started mm-hmm. doing this or the coach is pushing too hard or, or whatever um, so we, we do have to we do have this element of it, and this is another thing that 's probably the hardest thing as part of this calculator is talking about this this concept of energy availability, yeah, and we understand that. I won't go into that because it will create too much complexity. But this thirty calories per kilogram fat-free mass energy availability, which is a which is a I don't have as much respect as a lot of people do for this equation. And having met Anne Lauk, who really came up with it, and asked her some pertinent questions that she couldn't answer, I do have some skepticism around how stringent people are with the the figures that have been outlined there. Um, having some understanding of, yeah, when we go below that kind of level and we start getting this reduced pulsatility of luteinizing hormone and the things that would just lead to us having our menstrual cycle, um, us, me and my girls, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it, you know, males release luteinizing hormone as well and then there's good research on um, um, within-day energy um deficiency and the way that impacts um, even males as well. So that's one of those considerations, fertility for a premenopausal female. You've got postmenopausal females needing to just a consideration about bone mineral density. One thing I will say in that is, is if, you, if anyone's a geek and they go and uh, look at some of this research, just understand that when we do a DEXA, we're measuring, we're not measuring bone quality and we're also not measuring any outcomes so there might be a change um, in bone mass but the bone quality and the strength of it is not necessary is not being tested directly and so um, and likewise the proteins too low lots of studies aren't giving ad- adequate vitamin D or, or calcium um, they're not using resistance training or any kind of impact which would you know do the ad- you know osteoblastic activity would go up and we could actually build some new bone um so that's that's something to bear in mind so males and females 15 is what i would say is where i would sit 20 is conservative you don't need to differentiate between males and females other than the fact that females have a menstrual cycle and fertility around that um i'll I'll pause for a (laughs) breath
0: So I'm Steve Hall, founder of Revive Stronger and a coach of Revive Stronger. My name is Pascal Flor. I'm the co-owner of Revive Stronger and also a coach, of course. Revive Stronger has probably been going solidly for three years probably, roughly about three years. Revive Stronger, to me, it is becoming kind of my child, my foster child. It's the gathering and getting together of like-minded people. We've been expanding the coaching team, which is helping us help more people. Uh, But each coach can only help a certain number of people. Right now, it's all over the place. We have YouTube, we have Facebook, we have Instagram. But there isn't that community aspect behind that. And so the next step for us is developing a membership site. So basically we want to create a family and a community that is then benefiting from another. A really cool community for people within our little niche is going to be a website. They will get early access to our podcast. You can access us, ask us questions, the community aspect. We have a forum there. You can ask questions, but also you can can lock your journey. It's also going to be... Courses on there, courses, presentations on different topics. Discount of past seminar footage. We will log our journey as well. We'll start vlogging. We're going to have documentaries, our entire athletic journey. Furthermore, they get access to an exercise video library the exercises that we love for hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy. We're gonna go through those in depth, telling you how to execute them, kept them concise and also mobile friendly so that you can watch them in between your sets. I'm super excited to grow this community. The amount of value that we're gonna be delivering is huge. and I'd love you to be part of it. You will get so much out of that. I'll see you inside.